Good morning, church. Welcome to Washiar Community Church this morning. God bless you. It's good to see you today. And welcome to everybody who's here for the first or second time. I met some Hoosier friends already, so we're glad those folks are here this morning and they're uh, in just for a little bit to see some folks. I bet some there's some other people here this morning that are here for the first or second or third time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the body of Christ and participating in worship today. This is our call to worship. You're invited to come worship the living God with us this morning. So especially our friends who are online as well too, we're glad to have you here. So I'm Pastor Robert, and it's my privilege just to say welcome and join us in worship this morning. Washer well, Community Church, we are disciples of Jesus Christ, are we not? So we are here to give creative and meaningful worship to God. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're in this place today. And to give worship to God freely from our hearts and also to make disciples, discover and make disciples for Jesus Christ. That's our whole purpose. Everything we're going to do this morning will revolve around that, giving God the worship that he's due because of his glory and his magnificence and our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, and also inviting people, join us on this journey. Join us on the journey of worshiping God and discovering and developing disciples for Jesus. We're going to have a ministry minute really quick, so if Michelle will come up at least and be ready and present. So when we talk about ministry events that are going to occur today and this week and this month, these are the things that we're going to do to give God glory, to demonstrate our love for God, and also our love for each other. So this coming week, starting tomorrow morning, please pray for our row week. Our reach out week begins tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. We have teams of people that are going, going out into our community to do service projects and to demonstrate the love of Jesus in us to our community. So pray for this entire week. Uh, we have uh, the book study, The Cost of Discipleship. It begins this Wednesday at 6.30 in the foyer. You can still sign up if you'd like to join this book read and book discussion and study. The sign-up is in the foyer as you exit today. Community Days, our first one, is beginning a week from today. So on June 11th, our first Community Days will be happening after the morning worship service next Sunday. We're gathering outside on our grounds under our nice pavilion. We're having a picnic together, a cowboy picnic. You saw the cowboy and cowgirl last week who were up front here. Um, so please, there's opportunity for you yet today. Please sign up so we know how much food to prepare for the cowboys and cowgirls who are coming next week. And there's a special uh, concert with Derek Charles Johnson. And we will be taking a free will offering. There's no charge for the meal. There's no charge for the concert. But of course, to bless this man who's coming to minister to us, there will be a free will offering that would be taken for him uh, next week. And if you'd like to give a free will offering, you can write a check out directly to him, Derek Charles Johnson. Don't write it out to the church. Uh, write it out directly to him, and that's how we will bless him. So a ministry minute on youth ministry. Michelle. Thank you. Uh, my name is Michelle Marks. I'm one of your youth leaders for our youth group. Um, we do meet almost year-round, so uh, we take August off. Us leaders need a break. Um, <laughs> So I am here to tell you about our summer. Our schedule changes a little bit. First of all, all you incoming uh, seventh graders, if you are a sixth grader and now you're a seventh grader, you are welcome to join us starting this Wednesday night. Um, also, all of our graduates, you are still welcome to join us throughout the summer. 
you will find out at the Welcome Center. This is one side. And then our schedule is on the back. So if you'd like a schedule for the summer, you're welcome to take as many as you want, invite your friends, um, give you a little quick, we'll meet. Um, if you would like to, we're doing a Bible study, Bible basics. Um, some of the kids have a lot of questions. There are a lot of things they don't know, the things we just take for granted. So we are doing a Bible study at 5 o'clock um, and also working through the book of John. You may not get very far, and that's okay, but just to answer some of those questions. And then the rest of our festivities will start on 5, 30, 6 o'clock, kind of overlap. Uh, we'll have food for the kids. Um, some of you have signed up already, and we really appreciate that. If you need ideas, um, they're teenagers. <laughs> so tacos, pizza, pasta, hot dogs, sandwiches, um, whatever. Yeah, nutrition is good, but <laughs> we're hanging out. We're having fun. Um, chips, chips are always good. Uh, we're watching uh, Chosen, the second season, and then we're having a discussion time afterwards uh, to go over the different things that were discussed in the show. So any questions, you can talk to me or Aaron um, or get a hold of one of our other leaders. So thank you. Oh, I should say we also made it clear to the kids. Sorry. Um, it ends at 9 o'clock. So um, you can come at 5, no earlier, and you need to be picked up by 9. Thanks, Michelle. In the seat pocket in front of you, you should find a little white slip of paper. If you'd pull that out now, if you are a regular worshiper here at Washara Community Church, we are a congregational ruled church. It is our privilege uh, to not only nominate uh, people for leadership in our church, it's our responsibility to pray for one another and to love God and love one another and build each other up and and to nominate those who have uh, spiritual gifts uh, for leadership. So we invite those of you who are regulars here at Washar Community Church to fill out the leadership ballot for elders. They have been presented to us in the last couple of weeks and given uh, faith journeys and testimonies to us. So please mark your ballot at this time and please make sure to mark that you are a member or an attender, that's also important. And then you'll drop this ballot into the offering basket as it's passed in just a few moments. So please go ahead and do that right away. And we're going to move to a time of scripture as our hearts are turned toward uh, God and his word today. Part of the scripture that uh, will be shared by Pastor Adam then, we're going to be reading this together. It's on the screen this morning. This is just a portion of the word of God that will be preached today, but it's a central portion for all of us to latch on to. So for our hearts and our minds uh, to be set on this word of God, I invite you to read together with me the scripture that's on the screen. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages 
so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The word, the word of God for today. Thanks. We invite the ushers to come forward while we uh, will gather our offerings then to glorify God for his work continuously in our midst. And as we do that, we also are praying for our missionaries um, this week who uh, serve in restricted areas in the world. Folks, we've got to pray prayer coverings for those men and women who serve in the 1040 window are in difficult places where their ministry is constantly under threat. And God is greater than all the threats against us. So let's join as we uh, we'll gather our offering here in a minute and lift up those brothers and sisters ministering around the world. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Your glory fills the whole earth, and it's present in this place today as we declare your name, Jesus, the name above every name, the greatest name whereby we must be saved. Oh, we thank you that you have gathered us by your grace in this place, that we can come this morning, oh God, and be refreshed in your presence by your powerful working Holy Spirit, by your word being proclaimed to us to recalibrate our hearts and our minds to be set on things above, that we are renewed again in our trust in you, Lord Jesus, as the sovereign king of heaven and earth, that you are leading and guiding and directing us. You are building us, Lord, into the church you want us to be. Oh, please have your hands upon us this day, oh God. We thank you for those who have called this church home and are giving freely, God, out of the overflow that you have given into our own hands, Lord. We don't clutch what you have given to us. We open our hands freely, even now, and we say, God, please receive back just that portion of what you've given to us because you've given us everything. Nothing we have is our own. It's our privilege, oh God, to give back to you. Multiply it, we pray. And as we lift up our missionaries in difficult corners and places in the earth, oh God, thank you for the calling you have put on men and women to go across the globe and make disciples for Jesus Christ. Protect them, oh God. May divine protection be put upon them even now that their work may not be hindered by the evil of men or of Satan, but that the word would go forth freely, God, and you would build up your church in difficult and dark places in this world. So we thank you now. We commit ourselves to you in this time of worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord is in his holy house. Let all keep silent before him. And God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. We're at a holy moment, brothers and sisters, and uh, the elements uh, were available as you came into church, but perhaps uh, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You did not receive those on the way in. An usher will come forward with a tray. Would you just lift your hand up slightly if you did not receive the elements coming into the worship center? 
and an usher will come around, just slip your hand up to make sure that he can see you and he'll bring the elements to you and we'll be taking those elements together in just a moment. Here at Washer Community Church, we do practice an open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of this church to take the Lord's Supper with us. But as scripture teaches us, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's a relationship that you practice by faith with the living God, Jesus Christ. And for our parents, it's always an encouragement to you if your children are taking the Lord's Supper. We trust that you are speaking with your children, that they understand what sin is in their own life. They can identify sin in their own life that you've taught them about repenting about sin, which is not just saying I'm sorry, but turning from sin, turning away from it, and that you place your trust and your faith alone for the forgiveness of sin and salvation in Jesus. So that's, that's a responsibility that Scripture bids to our parents. And uh, your children, of course, are welcome if they are also walking in believers in, in Jesus Christ. It is a holy moment. The scripture also says that this supper can be taken wrongly. And while those who are actively walking with Jesus are blessed in taking this supper, there is a judgment that comes upon those who are taking it wrongly or falsely or as hypocrites. And the scripture warns us about that. So if you're not certain of what I'm saying about being in a real living relationship with Jesus Christ and you've taken the elements, please don't be embarrassed. It would be better if you left the elements on your seat today. Nobody's going to check up on you. It would be better if you left them than to take them wrongly. Now, if I had the opportunity to show a picture on the large screens today of my parents who live on my street or my brothers and my sister-in-laws and, and my nieces and nephews, if I could show you a picture of my family members, they, they don't worship with me here at this church. They have their own home churches that they go to. I would tell you a little bit of information about them, but honestly, they wouldn't know that I'm talking about them, would they? I would show you a picture of them, but they themselves wouldn't know that I was mentioning them. When we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, brothers and sisters, and if you'll take the elements in your hand, and I trust you've peeled back the top layer to expose the bread, when you look at this bread, this is a picture of Jesus, the scripture says. And Jesus knows that you're looking at him. Jesus knows your heart right now, that you're longing for him. Jesus knows that you need more of him. He's living and he's alive. And as you look at this picture of the bread and of the cup, Jesus is in it. He's behind it as the cross behind me demonstrates he came to love me first. He came to love you first. He is fully aware that you this morning are looking at a picture of him that he left for us. It's a holy moment brothers and sisters. Do you need more of Jesus this morning? It's right here. It's right here in your hands. 
he who came to love me first and who loves me still this day bids me to come in faith and to receive him and to glorify him and to give myself completely back to him as his vessel that he might use for his honor and his glory. So as the Holy Word says, on the night on which Christ was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Oh, Jesus, how we praise you in this holy and quiet moment that you have given yourself for us. And each time that we look at this picture of the bread, we're mindful that it was your body, your holy body, which was nailed to a cross for my sake, a part which I cannot be forgiven, I cannot be saved. But in you and you alone, oh, Jesus, do I find life, life now and life forevermore with you. And so we worship you. We praise you in this holy and quiet moment. And on that same night, Jesus took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We take the cup together. Oh, precious Jesus, how we thank you for this cup, a picture of your blood poured out, the salvation plan from eternity past made so that I might be rescued, so that I might be made your child. How we thank you, Jesus, because salvation is entirely your work, and we are simply the beggars who hold our hands out to a king and receive this gift of salvation and forgiveness from you, Jesus. And every time we look at your cross, we're reminded again and again and again of the work that you did on our behalf. Oh, Father, be glorified in this place by the humble people who are gathered here today to give honor and glory to you. Thank you for giving us these pictures, Jesus, of yourself, that we might be empowered to live holy for you. Our minds, our hearts, and our strength, our hands and our feet, given in total surrender to you, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. I am so glad you're here this morning, and we have this opportunity. We've been, um, as a church, taking the next five months of looking at Jesus' um, discipleship 
practices, how Jesus made disciples. And so all last month in May, we looked at passionate prayer, passionate prayer. And this Sunday, we are going to look at um, initiating relationships and being in consistent community. There's two of them there. Initiating relationships and being in consistent community. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, 14 through 45, kind of do a high view. This is going to be a very practical sermon where we look at these seven principles or practices of Jesus as he initiates relationship and as he is being in consistent community with others. And we keep talking about our three M's. We're also going to see that in this passage a couple of times. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And I'm basically going to go walk through these verses and, and expound on them as we go. But let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you always, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word made flesh, the, your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross, buried in a grave, rose on the third day and ascended into heaven and coming again. And thank you for the word illuminated into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. So guide us, Lord, in your truth this day. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So when we go to verse 14. It says, after John, and you have to stop there and say, this is John the Baptist, John the Baptist. After John the Baptist was in prison, and there's a comma there, um, because you need to stop and say, wait a minute, why was he in prison? Why was John the Baptist in prison? Well, he was in this, in this dungeon for saying what God said, or for standing on what God said and saying it. That's why King Herod was king of the Jews. And King Herod was to be uh, the religious leader or the head of the Jews, the, the, the example to be followed. But King Herod was in an adulterous affair. He, was, he, he took his brother's wife as his wife. And so John the Baptist walked into that scenario, into that situation, and said, this is wrong by what God's word says. He stood on what God's word says, and then he said it. And then he said it. It's not very much different, but a very different outcome than in the Old Testament when King David has an uh, adulterous affair with a lady named Bathsheba. And Nathan, the prophet, comes in, and, and through a series of events, basically says to King David, wait a minute, this is wrong. And he stood on what God said about adultery, about the marriage relationship, and he said it. Now, the difference between the two is that when Nathan said it to King David, King David went to his knees, basically. He, he had a contrite heart. His heart was broken. He had sinned against God. And, and there were consequences for what happened, dire consequences for what happened. But he was broken before God, and he asked for forgiveness of his sins. In John the Baptist's situation, it was not the same. He was thrown into this dungeon, and later on, later on, the fate was, is that he was, his head was handed on a platter because he stood on what Jesus said, what the Bible said and said it. 
Now, this is kind of a little tangent I'm going on this morning. But we live in a country, we live in a country that this month, it celebrates, it celebrates and promotes something that goes directly against what God has said. And most of the time, because it is so public, there might be times that you have to say something. Now, always do it with gentleness and respect, as the Scripture says. As the Scripture says. But it is a time when it's kind of right in your face that you have to decide, am I going to stand on what God has said or not? And am I going to be willing with gentleness and respect, if I have to, to say something. Okay? Persecution has happened uh, against Christians all through the ages. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. And so, but I want you prepared as we walk through a very public month that our country has designated to realize that, wait a minute, this goes against what God's Word says about marriage, about the way that He has created us and how we are to live out our lives with gentleness and respect. You've heard me say that three times now. Gentleness and respect that if you are called upon to be able to stand on what God has said. Most likely your head is not going to be on a platter uh, handed out kind of thing. <laughs> but there could be some consequences for it. Wow, we just got to the comma. And John was in prison. Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, it says, or is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God is, is near or has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So he's proclaiming, he's preaching the good news, which is the gospel. And we come to our very first M because our very first M is our message. Our message is Jesus. And that's what we see here. We see the message is the kingdom of God is coming. And when the thief on the cross says, when, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus is the king. And so there's our message, Jesus. And the message is, is the kingdom is near or it's at hand. It literally means to join one to another. Just like if you were holding your spouse's hand. You know, you're joining one to another. But in this scenario, I look at it as it's a, it's a, a joining of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and a joining of the New Testament, the New Covenant that's there. They're joining hands. The Old Covenant talked all about the coming of a Messiah. There is a coming Messiah. The New Testament, the New Covenant, says the Messiah is here. They have joined hands. The kingdom of God is here. And then it says to repent. And Pastor Robert, what's Pastor Robert's word? you got to make a U-turn. A U-turn from sin, from following after, uh, following after Satan to following after God. you got to make a U-turn in your life and believe. And that word believe is very deep. It's a strong word. It means persuaded of a conviction of a truth. So it's not just like, yeah, I kind of believe in God. I kind of believe this. I kind of believe that. No, that's not what this word means. It means I'm persuaded. I am persuaded by a conviction 
of a truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It, it is that He who knew no sin became sin for us. Okay, that's the persuaded of the conviction of the truth that you have about Jesus Christ. About Jesus Christ. So we go to verse 16, and it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. As He walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Here's our first principle. When we're initiating relationships and being in consistent community with one another, it's as we go. It's as we go. It's, it's a part of our life as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's something that we do as we are living out our lives. So as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw George and his brother John casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. You're supposed to laugh there. <laughs> no, yeah, no. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people or make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets to follow him. Now, here's the, here, it, here's the second M. The second M of ours is our method is discipleship. What does Jesus do? He initiates some relationships. He picks up these two men. Now there's a triad. There's three of them. And a process has begun. He says, I'm going to make you become fishers of men. I'm going to train you. I'm going to walk alongside of you so that you know how to be fishers of men. So a process has become. Now verse 19, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets or mending their nets. This was an activity that a fisherman would do uh, be, the last thing before he went home because they would fish all night. They would get there onto the shore with all of their fish, sort out their fish, but their nets have been used all night long. There's probably some holes. They need to be reorganized and they would mend and reorganize their nets and put them back in the boat so that the, in the evening, everything was ready to go so when they hopped in the boat, they could go fishing again. That's the time of day it is. When he saw, had gone a little further, mending their nets, there's, here's the next principle. Without delay. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and, hired, and the hired men and followed him. Now we've got a quintet. We've got five now. Jesus and these four. We've got a quintet that's there. But it, here's the second principle. Without delay. Without delay, he reaches out to them. He crosses the divide. He steps across the room. Now, don't, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes people say, don't be offended. Don't be offended. Well, you, you might. You just might. So here it goes. We are a three-week church. What do I mean by that? Well, I've been with you about a year now, and I've watched. I've watched how we, act, we react to people coming into our church. And this is what I've seen. If you come into this church and you don't know anybody, basically, kind of like that, what's going to happen, what's going to happen is you're going to get greeted at the door, which is really great. And you're going to come in, you're going to see smiles. People are going to smile at you and everything, maybe, you know, kind of thing like that. But most likely, you will not have a meaningful conversation with anybody. You won't. And you'll walk out of the church. 
Now, if you come back a second week, if you come back a second week, you'll get about just the same type of treatment. Okay, they'll shake your hand at the door, they'll smile, you know, same thing. If you make it a third week, if you make it a third week, and hopefully they're three weeks right in a row, okay? If you make it a third week, most likely something kicks in here. People start coming up to you. Steve, yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm, I'm looking at somebody who has witnessed this, and he's shaking his head right now, um, kind of thing. Yeah, after at that third week, something kicks in, and we start going up to that person. And we start having a meaningful conversation with them and start talking with them and, and finding out who they are. I don't know why, why that is so. Why does it take us three weeks to do that? Is this a Midwesterner kind of thing? Because I'm talking to myself kind of thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But needless to say, we need to go from a three-week church to a two-week church to a one-week church. Yeah, we need to be without delay. We need to be without delay when someone walks through the doors of the church, especially someone. Now, this is, again, preface this with it's someone coming through the doors of the church that doesn't know anybody. Like if someone comes through the doors of the church and they know somebody or they've been invited specifically by somebody. It's a, it's a little different story kind of thing. But for somebody who walks through the doors of the church that doesn't know anybody, that's been our pattern. And I've watched it over and over again. So if somebody can make it to the third week, I'm like praying, oh, make it to the third week, you know. Without delay. If we're going to initiate relationships and being in consistent community with one another, we need to shorten that up, okay? We need to shorten that up. Verse 21, we get to another principle. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Here's the next print. It, the synagogue was this religious learning center. So we, our church is based a lot off of that, off of the first century, where we gather up in this religious worship center, uh, learning center, where we come together with the people of God and we read the Word of God. And we see Jesus in chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 6, verse 2, doing the same thing over and over and over again. So he is, he's, this is a pattern in his life to gather up with them. And here's the third principle, is that the gathering is crucial. When we gather up together like this, in the larger setting, in the smaller setting, this time that we gather with God's people is crucial to our own discipleship, to us growing to be more Christ-like. So Jesus is showing that. This, is, this gathering, being with the people of God over the Word of God, is important. Verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Stop there. When they heard Jesus speak, they heard something different. When he spoke from the word of God, they heard something different. This, he's, he's speaking the same words. He's reading from the same scrolls, but it, it's different. And that would be my prayer, is that when people walk through the doors of our church and when they get together with us as the body of Christ, that they would sense that there's something different here. These people treat each other differently. They truly, it sounds like, they, and they really, they love these words. And they sing these words. And they greet one another in, in such a loving way. 
I, I pray that when people walk through the doors of the church, they would say, and they would walk back out, they would go, wow, there's something different there. I might not know exactly what it is yet, but there is something different there. That's where they were with Jesus. Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil or impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. Now, we go back to John the Baptist. When After the baptism of Jesus, right around that time, John the Baptist looked and pointed to Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, great public witness of who Jesus was. It's, it's a shame that this is kind of the second witness is from the demons. <laughs> and the demons give this second witness and say, we know who you are. And then he's, the, the demons say, the Holy One of God. The one sent from God. The one sent from God. What does Jesus do? Verse 25, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil or impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people, verse 27, were so amazed, all so amazed, that they asked, or they were arguing with each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to the impure or evil spirits, and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Not only did they hear something different, but they saw a different action. They saw a different action. They saw there was an evil, and what did Jesus do? Did Jesus sweep it under the rug? Did Jesus pass it off to the side? No, he spoke directly to it. And an action was taken immediately in that scenario, in that situation. Again, I would pray that people would walk into our church and they would see, they would, there's something different here. There's something different here. But also that these people are serious about sin. They're serious about their own sin. And then if, if they sin, what do they need to do? They need to confess their sin. They need to confess their sin. They're, they're serious about the sin that is in our world. Even so that they would take time even in the service to pray for their nation and pray for the sinful world that we live in, that the eyes would be opened up and people would see Jesus as their Savior and they would repent and turn to Him kind of thing. Wow, they see a different action. Verse 29 now, as soon as he left the synagogue, so the gathering, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Here's a couple things here. The fourth principle is he went with to the home of, and the fourth principle, you have to go to their church. If you're going to initiate relationships and be in consistent community with one another, many times you have to go to their church. You have to go to where they are for that to happen. Let me give an example of that. It's a principle, of this example. Um, we were in Illinois. We were an independent church. And um, I, I, there were two other like-minded churches in our area. And I had built relationships with these pastors. We were very theologically on the same wavelength that was there. We could have swapped pulpits at any time. I said to them, I said, hey, you know, we should get our larger, the larger body together at times for worship. And at logical times would be Thanksgiving and Good, and Good Friday. 
And they said, well, we'll think about it. We're not quite sure kind of thing. Not sure our people will go for that kind of thing and everything. I said, okay. So the first pastor, it was Thanksgiving time. The first pastor, I said, hey, we're coming. We had a Thanksgiving service. I said, we're lifting our Thanksgiving service and we're going to join you. And he says, uh, okay. So I got in front of our congregation. I said, we need to go. We need to go. All of us. All of us need to go to this service kind of thing. And almost all showed up. And, that, and the people were just blown away that the church was completely packed. And it was a wonderful night as we, as a body of Christ, lifted up the Lord's name kind of thing. So then comes around Good Friday. And, when I, and I talked to the other pastor who had a Good Friday service. And I said, we'd love to join you for Good Friday service. And he says, well, yeah, okay. And, you know, kind of thing. And so I came back to the congregation again. I said to them, we, we need to go. We need to go. Every, almost everybody showed up again. So much so that the ladies that were getting communion ready, they saw all these people coming through the doors and they're like, we don't have enough communion. And they're back cutting bread and pouring, you know, and getting everything ready kind of thing. But again, we had a glorious service. Thanksgiving rolled around again. And I said to the other two pastors, I said, okay, we're going to throw a Thanksgiving service at our church. And man, the place was packed out. And it was a wonderful service. It was amazing to have the body of Christ together in a packed out house. But a principle, how did it all happen? We had to go to their turf. We had to go to them. And I know that's a church situation, but I think the principle is also the same is many times you have to be the one stepping out of your comfort zone to get into their zone for this to happen. He went with them. So back to our passage, verse 30. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. And so he, Jesus, went to her, took her hand, and helped her, helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So here's our third M. And that's the motive of love. He went to her. He showed compassion upon her. Verse 32, the evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many with various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Here's the fifth principle. is As much as the gathering is crucial, our own personal space and our personal time with the Lord is crucial. If we're going to initiate relationships and be in consistent community, our own personal space and time with God is so important. And what's Jesus doing? He's praying. What is he going to later teach to his disciples how to pray. We've said this phrase over and over again, being a disciple precedes making a disciple. If we're going to make disciples, then we ourselves need to be disciples. We need to be disciples. So here he is out there praying. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone's looking for you. Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us... There's our method again of discipleship. Let us, this quintet of group, go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Notice he didn't say heal there also. 
He said, no, to preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. They, there's our method of discipleship. But also, here's another point. They learned that something is more is important. Not only is something different about this Jesus, and not only does he do some different actions, but there's something more important here. They would have thought the most important thing was to physically heal people. But what is Jesus saying? No, the most important thing is that they hear the gospel. Is they hear how to be spiritually healed. Spiritually healed. I, I would gather to say that we're kind of in that same boat today. Many times we focus so much on the physical healing of people to realize that no, no, no. The greater thing is the spiritual healing upon their lives. That our prayers would be much more heavily laden with that request than the physical requests that are there. They learned that something was more important. And then in verse 39, preaching in their synagogues, we're back to the message again. The message is Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, back to our motive again of love. It says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately leprosy left him and he was cleansed or cured. Here's the sixth principle, a surrender to God's will. I am willing. See, when we talk about initiating relationships and being in consistent community, those are both God's will, that we are ambassadors of Him. You were not saved for your sake only, just because of you. No, you were saved to give Him glory. You were saved to be salt and light. It really isn't about you. Your salvation is not about you. It's about giving Him glory. It's about serving Him. It's about being a representative of Him now on this short amount of time that you have on this earth. To share the love of God with others. It's, it's, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. So initiating relationships with those that are around you, that's God's will. And also being a consistent community, that's God's will too, that we are to gather together. We are to be discipled by one another that's there. But I tell you, to do that, you have to say, I am willing. I am surrendering my selfishness. I am surrendering my, my preferences. I'm surrendering that all so that I can do God's will. I can do God's will. So he touches this man, heals him. In verse 43, um, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, a couple things here. He's telling him to, that I want you to fulfill this requirement. This requirement is in God's word was that if you were cleansed of leprosy or, or anything else, you would go to the priest. The priest was like the inspector. The priest was like the doctor. And he would, he would deem that, wait a minute, this infirmity, this leprosy is gone. And therefore, because it's gone, now you can go back into society. 
Because if you were a leper, you were taken out of society. You couldn't go into the synagogue. You couldn't go into the marketplace. You couldn't go home to be with your family. You were isolated kind of thing. So the priest, this was a requirement by God's scripture for them to go and give their blessing that, that this was okay and you could go back out into society. But a second part of it is, is also be a witness to the religious leaders. Go before that religious leader. He knows you had leprosy before, but now he's witnessed that you don't have it anymore. But it's a witness to them that, wait a minute, when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, he will cure the lepers, he will make the mute speak, and he'll give sight to the blind. This will be a witness to those religious leaders that what has happened? The Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. So what does the man do? Verse 45. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely or proclaim freely, spreading the news. And we're back to the, the M of the message of Jesus. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely or desolate places. So here we are. He's spreading the news. Who did this to you? Jesus. And then Jesus and the leper switch places. See, before the leper couldn't go anywhere. He was in desolate places, lonely places. He couldn't go to the marketplace, couldn't go to the synagogue, couldn't go back home and be in a home or anything like that. So, but Jesus then touches him. He's cleansed. Now what can the leper do? He can go anywhere he wants to go. Well, before this happened, Jesus was where? He was in the home of Peter and, and Andrew. He was in the synagogue. He was doing all, he was everywhere. And now where is he? He switched places. Now he's in these lonely, desolate places because he's getting mobbed by people who want to be physically healed. But here comes the seventh principle. It says, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. The people still came from him from everywhere. Even though he was, had to isolate himself, people still found Jesus. And I thought about that. Hindrances at times. There will be hindrances at times. If you're really serious about initiating relationships with the people that God has put around you, there will be hindrances at times that will hinder that from happening. If you're really concerned about being in consistent community with others, there will be hindrances at time that will work against that. But remember, and I want you to say this with me, ready? I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Who said that? Jesus said that. Now let's say it one more time. Emphasize the underlined word. I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. We have to remember that. When hindrances come, when we're trying to initiate relationships with others that God has put around me, and it seems to like hit a brick wall, you know, kind of thing. They don't want anything to do with me, kind of thing. Just, it's a hindrance, but remember, he will build his church. And consistent community, and you're trying to be in consistent community, but, but life has just thrown you curveball after curveball. And, and it's just really hard. Just remember, he will build his church. So here, let's do a review. Our message is Jesus. Our motive is love. And our method is discipleship. Our message is that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Our motive is love that we are displaying that old word charity. Charity of God and charity of others because He has shown charity to us. And our method is discipleship, that God has put us into His family, being built up together in Him in this life-transforming community. So you see, we're not only a 3M church, we're also a 3C church, not officially, but a 3C church that's there. Review the seven principles one more time. Number one, as Jesus walked beside, if I'm going to initiate relationships and be in consistent community, it's as I go. This is part of my life, as I'm living out my life. Number two, do it without delay. Without delay. So cross the divide. Uh, cross the room. Don't be a three-week ch three church. Be a two-week church and then a one-week church You know, kind of thing. Realize that those people are there for a reason. Number three, Jesus went into the synagogue to realize again that gathering, this gathering, the smaller gatherings that we have of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ where we're centered around the Word of God is crucial to me being Christ-like. Number four, they went with and to the home of. If you're going to do this, many times you've got to go to their turf. You've got you to go to where they are at. We're always waiting for them to come to us. No, we have to go where they are at. Number five, Jesus went off to a solitary place. Again, the importance of your own personal time with God. And if that's kind of slacked off, it's kind of dropped off, pick it back up again. Pick back up your Bible. Find that space in your calendar, um, in, your, in your day, and, and get back with the Lord. Number six, I am willing. There, there will be a surrender. A surrender to God's will. And to realize this is God's will that we reach out to those that are He's put around us. And that it is His will that we grow together in Christ-likeness with one another. And then number seven, yet the people still came. Understand that there will be hindrances. Most likely there will be. There will be all kinds of hindrances that are thrown into the path kind of thing. But remember that God will build His church. He will build His church. So how do I implement this? We're doing the same thing we did last month. How do I engage in this? Well, number one, you could take part in Row Week, Reach Out Week, which is starting Monday, June 5th through the 9th. Two ways that that could play in here. Number one, you're going to be alongside of a brother or sister in Christ working together in consistent community. Secondly, you could start to initiate a relationship with whoever you're serving. Number two, come to Community Days next Sunday on the 11th. Again, twofold, twofold. You've got an extended period of time to be with the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters that you worship with on a regular basis. And so you got that extended time to do that. Or maybe you are initiating a relationship with somebody and you're saying, hey, we're having a barbecue down at the church and we're going to have an outside concert and bring your lunch here. Love to have you come meet some of my friends. It'll be a great time to be together. So twofold there. Number three, number three. Initiate a conversation with someone you don't know. Initiate a conversation with someone you don't know. And you can start right within the room. You don't know everybody in this room. I don't know everybody in this room. I'm looking at a face right now. I don't know. Yeah. Make it a point to initiate a conversation with someone you don't know. And you can start in this room, but you should spread it out to the outside too. But I'm hoping the conversation goes from one conversation to a second conversation to coffee, then to dinner. Okay? I'm, I'm hoping that progression happens. 
And then the last one, which ties in last month, ask God. Ask God to open your eyes and your ears and your hands and your heart for those He's put around you. Ask God. Pray. Make this a prayer point. Pray to God. Lord, open my eyes, my ears, my hands, and my heart for those You've put around me. And then we'll end it the way we did last month. We'll have a pavilion praise follow-up out in the pavilion Sunday night, June 25th at 5 p.m. A little scripture, a little song, but a lot of sharing about how God has been working in our lives this month, thinking about initiating relationships. Maybe there's a relationship you get to share with somebody else that God brought this person in my path and I've started interacting with them. Or consistent community that, I, that I'm, 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 re, I'm recommitting myself maybe to a small group or I'm recommitting myself to being in service with, with God's people on every Sunday I can kind of thing. But it's a time for us to share and encourage and admonish one another through the Scriptures. So initiating relationships and being in consistent community. Let's stand for prayer and we'll sing. And then Robert will close the service. So Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house. Um, thank You, Lord, for the, uh, the, the practicalness of, of some Scriptures at time like we saw this morning. Um, where we see these principles and practices that you did and that we need to follow and we need to mimic. We need to, as disciples of Jesus, that we would, that we would be like you. So Lord Jesus, we put this into your hands in thy precious name. Amen. Amen. Did any of you by chance see the Scripps National Spelling Bee this week? Anybody? Nobody? Yeah, there, there's like a bunch of 7th, 8th, and ninth graders who were given words that I've never even heard of, which says something about my vocabulary, certainly. It probably says something about my intelligence, too. So aren't you glad, brothers and sisters, that when God gave us his word, he gave it to us on the bottom shelf so that every child can understand? God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's made a plan for your life, and he wants you to engage with a world that he died for so that they might know him as well, too. So with the blessing of God, our hearts have been filled today. We have met with the living God. Let's go out and meet those people. Have a blessed day. You're dismissed.